Welcome to Rocking Our Prize. I'm your host, Dr. Alice Evans. Now, before we begin, I must tell you of an alarming accusation. Someone on EJMR said they didn't like my podcast because I sound like I'm chanting a spell. Well, can you believe that? Someone accusing me of being camp and overly dramatic. I have never heard such slander. Okay. With that in mind, I want to answer a question from a very clever economist who emailed me. And she said, and I quote, Alice, if you had a magic wand, ironically, this is totally unrelated to the AJMR post, if you had a magic wand and could only do one thing to improve women's lot, what would you choose? We're on the same page that India's economic growth has not generated enough jobs to make deviations from the women's stay-at-home norm worthwhile. But keeping India's industrial policy fixed, what would you do with your magic wand? Great question. So most Indian women remain at home, dependent on patriarchal guardians, restricted by their mothers-in-law, with very few friends, or exposure to egalitarianism. Over a third have been beaten by their husbands. Escape is deterred by the stigmatization of divorce. Victims are trapped, both economically and psychologically. Grooms may even terrorise their brides to extract larger dowries, beating their wife until she begs her parents to give more generously. Even if survivors summon the courage to report, they're typically ignored by an overburdened police. So in the absence of job-creating economic growth, what can be done to improve women's welfare? My suggestion is actually not specific to India. Tackle alcohol abuse. Worldwide, alcohol abuse is one of the largest predictors of gender-based violence. Indian men's alcohol consumption is the single strongest predictor of spousal violence, regardless of wealth, education, employment or location, and Indian woman is much more likely to be assaulted if her husband drinks. Likewise, in Mexico, indigenous uh, Mexicans who drink are 13 times more likely to beat their wives. So for India, a woman whose husband does not drink, well, 23% report uh, physical violence or, uh, or sexual violence. But if the husband gets drunk often, it's 71%. Alcohol consumption also worsens the severity of injuries. When men drink, they're more likely to inflict life-threatening violence. Um, in Costa Rica, it's twice as likely, similarly in Nicaragua and the US. Now, what about endogeneity? Are mentally ill people more likely to become dependent on drugs? Yeah, so Swenson and colleagues, they followed over 5,000 people with and without mental health uh, disorders. Ten years later, they found that those with mental health disorders were much more likely to become dependent on alcohol, nicotine uh, or illicit drugs. So someone with an intermittent explosive disorder is six times more likely to become dependent. And that's precisely what's happened in both the US and Russia. Men lost jobs, became depressed and turned to narcotics. And Case and Angus Deaton call this deaths of despair. But supply is not the whole story. As everyone knows, the opioid epidemic is partly about supply. Wait, did I just say that incorrectly? Demand is not the whole story. 
supply or somatis. And the same is true of alcohol, as shown by studies of bans and taxes, which I'll come to later. So even if drug use is endogenous, it still has an independent effect on psychology. So for six months, I lived in a Zambian's shanty compound right next to a bar. And they drank um, two jilly jilly, which are like uh, sachets, very cheap sachets with 40% alcohol. Late in the evenings, we used to hear neighbouring men return home and beat their wives. You know, I heard those women screaming. So the sequence to me, it's pretty clear. Alcohol worsens violence. Now, here's the great news. Alcohol abuse can be radically reduced. The average French person drinks less than a quarter of wine as they did 60 years ago. Lithuania has recently engineered a huge anti-alcohol campaign, including higher taxes. Within five years, Lithuanians' uh, per capita consumption fell by 2.8 litres. Russian alcohol consumption has always also fallen by 40% since its peak in 2003. Alcohol abuse is reversible. Drinking is also lowest amongst Muslims. Drinking is considered haram, forbidden in Islam. And while many Muslims do drink, consumption is usually quite low. You can see some maps on my substack. Uh, women in Muslim-majority developing countries are 11% less likely to have been assaulted by their partners than those in Christian-majority countries. Now, maybe that reflects greater acceptance and lower reporting, but I don't think so. That result holds while controlling for gender beliefs, education and decision making. Now here's more good news. Prohibitions reduce violence. Over in South Africa, well, worldwide over the past couple of years, domestic violence has surged during the COVID lockdowns. And South Africa is a big exception. The government banned alcohol. Uh, Kay Barron and colleagues find that this reduced violence by about 20%. For every single week of the ban, there were 77 fewer homicides, 790 fewer assaults, and 105 fewer rapes. So the ban significantly reduced violence against both men and women. There have also been prohibitions in India with similar effects. Indian states that banned alcohol... Um, well, men there were less likely to drink alcohol and they were, and domestic violence was 50% lower. Overall, prohibition is associated with a reduction of 400 crimes against women per 10,000 people. So prohibitions work, religious injunctions work, and high taxes work. There are a lot of tools at our disposal. So let me summarise. Job-creating economic growth and democratisation are major engines of gender equality, but both are incredibly hard to achieve. Since 2006, routine jobs have shrunk, labour displacing automation threatens jobs in manufacturing, and if demand falls, job queues will grow and women will be at the back. Male unemployment may also trigger hostile sexism. Meanwhile, 64% of the world lives under authoritarianism, where feminist dissent is repressed. In the absence of job creation and democratisation, one feasible way to massively reduce violence is to tackle alcohol abuse. It is one of the single largest predictors of gender-based violence worldwide and it is not inevitable. Religious prohibitions, government bans and higher taxes can substantially reduce consumption. Many addicts wish they were not dependent on alcohol. They have a second-order preference to be free of it. I'm curious to learn whether voluntary drugs like Ozempic could help those who wish to give up the bottle. Thank you very much for listening.
I hope that wasn't too spell-like. Okay. You take care of yourself. Um, I also want to mention the horrific, horrific earthquake in Morocco, which has killed over a thousand people. Um, I've contacted everyone I know in Morocco. Um, as some of you know, I spent over a month there last year, um, traveling across different cities, and I've contacted everyone I know, and one of my friends in Marrakesh, their, ha their house has been badly damaged. Um, so they're, they're, they're outside in the cold um, overnight, as are many others um, in the Marrakesh region. Anyway, I wanted to flag that up, and my you know best wishes to everyone in Morocco. Thank you very much for listening. Take care.